This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. It's uh, brilliant to have you listen and download to the podcast. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. We've been getting some amazing feedback. And don't forget, you can be in touch. You can pop me an email, brad at thekonaedge.com. If there's someone you think I should be chatting to or if there's a story you'd like to share, please do be in touch. Brad at thekonaedge.com. Also, uh, get onto our Facebook group. Uh, if you haven't joined it yet, uh, head over to theconeedge.com forward slash Facebook. We've got some cool things coming up uh, in that Facebook group in the, the weeks and months to come. I'm working on a couple of things behind the scenes that uh, I can't wait to share. And I'm going to share it with you there first. So uh, go check it out. So without further ado, let's get into today's guest. And I'm uh, pretty excited to share her story uh, with you. She finished top five in Kona 2016 and was just a couple of minutes away uh, from the uh, yeah the top spot basically uh, on our you know age group uh, on the big islands and it's a great pleasure to welcome onto the show today Claire Davis Claire welcome onto the Kona Edge thanks for joining us thanks for having me Brad Claire that's an Aussie accent uh, that that I hear uh, t- tell me a little bit about where's home for you where, where, do, where's, where are you based on the planet at the moment so I'm originally from Perth in Western Australia uh, about um, at the moment, I'm living in Barman Heads in Victoria, um, and I, I've spent the last four years living in Singapore. So, so pretty much all over the place. I, I laugh every time someone says Perth. As a South African, we almost consider Perth our tenth province. There's so many South Africans living there. So, uh, I, it, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty close. It's direct flight. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it's an uh, it's an amazing place, and and obviously Perth pretty close to to Bustleton which is uh, where Ironman Western Australia uh, takes place a lot of South Africans go over there so so we know that pretty well but as uh, far as triathlon goes you mentioned the the stint in in Singapore that that was where you you first got involved in the sport wasn't it yeah it was I come from a swim background I I swam competitively until I was 21 and then um, I had a a couple of years off um, sort of enjoying life after swimming and then moved to Singapore and um, joined a triathlon club pretty much purely for the social side of it, to meet a few new people in a new country um, and got into triathlon that way. Tell, um, me, t- tell me about the swimming sorry. background and, and, and sort of the competitiveness there. I mean, were you always a swimmer growing up? Or how, how soon did you start? Well, I was sort of always a swimmer, but I didn't join a competitive club until I was 13, so which is quite late by, by the swimming standards. Um, and so it was swimming twice a day, you know, six days a week, um, competed up into a, a, at a national open level, um, went to Commonwealth Games trials in 2006. Um, didn't have a, a, a stellar career in, in the pool, really, sort of was just scraping by and getting into nationals year on year. Um, but I was a 200 breaststroke uh, specialist, and so that's, that's what I did up until I was 21. And what that probably did too was was instill the discipline needed to to train for a sport like triathlon. It's it's one thing training for a single sport, uh, but but swimming is is a weird one, particularly if you want to swim at the highest level. I mean, twice a day is is what it takes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably what drew me towards triathlon was I was craving this the structure that I had while I was swimming, um, sort of the twenty five hours a week in the pool um, was was kind of standard, even even if you weren't even if you weren't the best best in the country but you we were aspiring to to get to nationals that was what was expected so triathlon definitely sort of feeds that 
the, the structure cravings that I that I have. Those numbers are, are pretty crazy. I mean, I don't think people realize what, what it takes to be a, a, a highly competitive swimmer. 25 hours in the pool, I guess it's the same to be a highly competitive triathlete. Uh, triathlete. But, I mean, as a teen and, and, and going into your early 20s, did you ever feel like, this is just too much, I can't do this? Not really. It was probably more towards the end of my career that I started to feel that. it's Like I said, you know, you, you live for the structure and so it's, okay, I'm up at I'm up at 4.30 every morning and in the pool between 5 and 7 and then go to school or, and later on that was work and university um, and then back in the afternoon and, and in the pool for two hours plus a warm-up and warm-down on, on dry land. So, um, yeah, it wasn't – you just you just roll through it and, and – and that's that's what's expected. It becomes that if you want to do this, this is what is the bare minimum required from you. And I think you know that is the same in triathlon as well. Mm. I find that interesting. You say you only joined a formal sort of swim club, competitive swim club at thirteen. Were were you pretty good from the outset? I mean, was was this something you discovered late, or was it just that you took the sport up late and realised pretty soon you were, you were good at it? No, I swear, I sort of I swam in what was sort of a a non-competitive squad from when I was about eight until 13. So I was probably only swimming two or three sessions a week then. And then a, um, a, a squad opened up near my house and, and so I, I joined in there and that's sort of when it became five sessions a week up to, up to 10 and 12. And, and growing up, I mean, was it all about swimming or, or did you partake in other sports as well? No, it was all about swimming, really. It's sort of when you when you commit to to that to to the sport, that's kind of, is all or nothing. Like I played a little bit of school sport and, and netball um, as I was as I was growing up, but um, it was yeah, sort of when you got to the point. I really I, I liked the competition to begin with, so you know, competitions are all day Saturday and Sunday, pretty much every weekend. So that takes away any ability to really get into any other sport. Have you got any regrets from your, your swimming career? I mean, obviously you can, can fix some of those and, and from a, co- a competition perspective in triathlon, but as a, as a swimmer, did you leave anything out there that you wish you had, you had possibly done? Uh, I, I wish I had had maybe started a little bit earlier, but then I think there's a bit of a there's always a bit of a catch twenty two there. Where I when I came in at thirteen, there was already a lot of people leaving the sport at that time um, through through burnout. Um, I don't think I have any regrets really. When I look back at it now, I, I met a lot of really great friends uh, who I'm still friends with and I sort of was able to travel around the country to nationals and things like that. So I don't think I have any regrets, but there is things that I take out of it now from swimming that I apply to triathlon, particularly towards the end of my career when I was starting to feel really burnt out and, and disengaged with the sport. So some every now so often, particularly after big races, I might feel, have those feelings again towards triathlon. And so it's kind of just... I'm looking to cut them off at a head before it gets um, too big of an issue, which I think what it had, that's what happened in swimming, that I just tried to tough it out and didn't didn't take myself out of the situation um, where I was not enjoying the sport and, and, and take a step back. So I try and, I'm trying to do that a little bit more if I'm feeling a little bit low on motivation. 
Because that is a, a big challenge for, for a lot of age groupers who are juggling a career and family and the sport is this feeling of burnout. Because particularly if you want to be good at it and you want to be competitive, you've got to put the time in. You, you cannot fudge one of these things. Well, what are some of the strategies that you do or some of the things that you do to, to deal with those times? Because we all have them at some stage in our triathlon mm-hmm. career. Um, I'm, I'm going through it right now on the, on the come, to, come down from Kona. Um, I devoted so much time, energy, effort, financial uh, into, into getting onto the podium at Kona that um, it's almost sort of a bit like, well, what's, what's next um, and having achieved that goal. And so really just I, I had some time off training um, and now just, um, I've chosen some really short races and, and um, you know, like super sprint type races just to sort of try and find the fun back in the sport and, and something different rather than the long stuff all the time. Um, you know, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with taking time out of this sport. It's a, it's a really difficult sport to do and to commit to. So if it's not, if it's not fun, it's, 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 not, it's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say it's something you're struggling with right now because I'm sitting in the, in the same sort of boat where I had a good few years of, of a long stretch of doing lots of races and I, I just, I, I did, I, I feel burnt out and, and I'm focusing on, mm-hmm. on one of the disciplines that I love, which is running, and I've picked a couple yeah. of, of races that I want to focus on and, and we'll probably go back to try and, and, and maybe doing an Ironman at the end of the year. But like you say, it's important to step away and, and just almost reassess why you're doing it. It's, it's, you can't go, go, go all the time. Something's got to give. Yeah, exactly. Claire, as, as far as the, the step up from swimming to triathlon, you mentioned you joined the club in Singapore as uh, more of a social side of things. Uh, when, when did you start taking it really seriously? Um, so I, not that long after I started triathlon, um, I signed up for a, a half iron distance in Indonesia, which it was called Metaman back then. It's now the Bintan 70.3. Um, and I had just finished up a job and, um, was, was looking for another one. And my partner said to me, he said, well, you better do a half Ironman to, to kill some time. Um, and so I, I got in, I did that and I, I loved it. I had a long day out there. I think I scraped in just under six hours um, and I swore I'd never do an Ironman um, despite the fact that I loved the half distance so much uh, and then we decided to do the 70.3 in Geelong in 2014 um, which is actually not too far from where I'm living right now um, and as part of that Ironman had a, a promotion on that if you signed up during a certain period of time you could win an entry into Ironman Melbourne which was sold out at that stage and as it turns out that my fiance and I both won slots into Ironman Melbourne which was five months from that date um, and he said to me oh well, you have to do it now you'll never sign up for one if you don't if you don't do it now and so I thought oh well I'll just tick this off my bucket list and we rolled through to, to Ironman Melbourne in five months five months down the track having no idea what this thing was about. We didn't have a coach. I'd never had a bike fit done and I had the best day. Um, I enjoyed every single second of it and I couldn't wait to do another one. I signed up for Ironman Melbourne 2015 as soon as it opened. Um, in 2014, I finished, I was in the top 10 and and I, I think I had the fastest age group swim of the female age group swim of the day. Um, and I and I thought maybe if I get a coach and, 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 and a bike fit and learn a little bit more about this sport, maybe I can go to this Kona thing. And so it kind of went from there. 
Um, but I didn't engage a coach until the end of that year. Uh, and then when I spoke to her, she said, gee, you're only giving me 12 weeks to get ready for, for Ironman Melbourne. Um, you know, you'll be, you'll, you'll, fit, you'll be okay. And at that stage, I didn't tell her about my, my Kona aspirations. I was almost a little bit embarrassed um, that, that I had this dream and, and went again and I finished third in my age group and, and after a, a pretty dismal run um, and missed out on the slot by one, one spot and I decided then that I shouldn't be so embarrassed about this goal and so said to my coach, I want to go to Kona um, Let's do it. And and so she said, okay, well, race selection is going to be really important for you because I'm not the greatest on the bike. And so on a course like Melbourne, where it's fast and flat, I get exposed a little bit. So the harder, the better for me. And she said, okay, well, maybe Ironman Langkawi, which is in Malaysia, an hour flight from Singapore. And so we we I signed up for that and that was the goal from there and, and, and went through to that and, and, and qualified there. I love the the course selection issue because that's funnily enough a, a thing that we we get asked quite often here at the Kona Edges is how do you choose the course that best suits you? But but you've got to play to your strengths, don't you? You mentioned your bike's not your strongest of the disciplines, and uh, and you get exposed on fast flat ones. So you've you've got it's horses for courses. That's or that, that that's the way you've got to go about it. Yeah, and it's, you know it. It's, it's hot in Langkawi. I think it was 38 degrees the, the year I did it and it was similar in the last couple of years and I live in the heat so, while I was in Singapore and so that was a big advantage and, and I can climb hills quite well, um, you know, despite not being that great on the bike. So that was, that's what it came down to. It came down to this is, this is really the course for me. Claire, how did you find the transition of, of picking up the other two sports coming from a swimming background? I mean, you mentioned doing stuff out of the pool during your swimming career, but were, were you cross-training at all? Were you doing anything on the bike, um, perhaps even just an indoor trainer running and that sort of thing? Did, did it come pretty easily for you, or is it something you struggled with? Uh, it's something I struggled with, um, particularly on the bike. Um I always had the endurance, so so going for long periods of times wasn't wasn't the issue. It was more the change in in, in the like the physical requirements um, for the for the other two sports, and and even st- to this day, I'm still frustrated at times. And where if, if I'm in the pool, I can pace myself, and I know exactly what pace that I'm going hundred by hundred to the second. Where if I go running without a watch on, I can't tell you whether I'm running. <laughs> four-minute Ks or six-minute Ks. So, and that was something that I really uh, frustrates me because I am such a metronome in the pool and I just can't work it out when I run and bike. Do you think that, that'll that come with time? I think it will come with time and I am much better on on the on the run side of that now. I think, um, you know, just the way that I went about my marathon training was like, this is, this is your marathon pace and you, I will do everything at a marathon pace outside of, you know, required efforts, but you know, moderate runs, easy runs are always done at marathon at my marathon target pace. Um, and the bike, that's sort of come on more since getting a power meter. So I can have a look at the numbers and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm moving around a little bit, even though it doesn't feel like I'm putting any more or less power down, the, the power meter doesn't lie. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, one thing, obviously, coming from a swimming background, you, you, you've always had a coach. You, you mentioned that you picked mm-hmm. up a coach uh, once, you, once you sort of uh, decided on that uh, Melbourne slot in 12, 12 months. So it's something you, you've bought into the idea of, of having someone to help you. 
How important has that been in, in your journey, particularly transitioning from a, a competitive swimming background into triathlon to getting someone who can who can help you across all three disciplines and not just the one? Yeah, and I think it's I like um, someone else holding you um, account, like being accountable to someone else as well. Like it's not that I'm not motivated to do it myself. It's just I like you said I've come from a swimming background I've had you know 10 years in the pool where someone has walked up and down next to me yelling at me so it's not a hard stretch for me to to move over to a coach and and I feel like I can take criticism from the coach quite well and you know because that's something I'm, I'm used to I don't it's not it's it's not a personal attack it's just this is you didn't do this right or you could do this better and and so I kind of thrive off that I wish I had someone who would ride next to me on the bike yelling at me I need that yeah, 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 I kind of, I kind of um, would like to have it out on the bike. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about the build-up to that second one and, and qualifying. Uh, I, mean, I, I normally ask, did you do anything differently? But you did a lot differently. First of all, you had a long build-up. That's probably the first, <laughs> the first important thing. Yes. But what, yeah. what, what, what were some of the structural things you did in the build-up to that second one that allowed you to qualify? Um, so. Uh, well, it was kind of a bit of a blessing in disguise, I guess, in that in that period in Singapore, there was a three-month period where there was severe pollution to the point where you, you really shouldn't be going outside because it was dangerous for your health, which, which meant a lot of indoor training sessions and a lot of multiple-hour runs on the, on the treadmill. So probably more so on the, on the bike side, but just, just being on the indoor trainer. And, and, you know, there were times where I was on the trainer for six hours or, you know, six hours in a day, maybe split up. Um, and I think not only are you because you're concentrating on the efforts that you're doing on the on the trainer are more concentrated and and specific than maybe when you're outside but also just the, the mental toughness of sitting on a on an indoor, indoor trainer for for three to six hours at a time um so that was probably one of the, the big things that i was forced inside onto the onto the indoor trainer and forced to love it it's amazing you say that because the, the more i chat and and the longer we do this podcast too i over time power is is a big thing on the bike but indoor sessions as much as they are mind-numbingly boring a lot of athletes swear by them and and it's just because they're in a controlled environment and and are able to to really knuckle down and and get the things and hit the numbers they need to do in those sessions would you agree that uh, i mean going forward even if you are able to train outside it's still important to have really solid indoor sessions that you can work on yeah, and, and in the lead up to, to Kona where I, I did have, you know, the ability to go outside because it wasn't, there was no pollution or, or less pollution, I was still doing at least two rides a week in, on the indoor trainer um, in addition to, to, to another two or three outside. So they were still there um, and that's where the, the big power work was done. As far as getting to Kona and, and knowing that you're competing against some of the best athletes in, in the world, you, you're obviously not afraid of, of big competitions. You've, you've raced many of those over your swimming career. Going into Kona, was, were you intimidated? What was the thoughts and the feelings going on to the big island? Uh, no, I think it's, it's kind of funny. I think once you finally qualify for Kona, there's almost like this big boost in confidence. Sometimes I think it's harder to qualify to break through that qualification barrier than it is to actually get there, uh, or than it is to actually race on on the island. Um, I used to look at 
who I was up against, you know, leading into races. Um, and in the lead up to Langkawi, my partner said to me, he said, I'm sick of you looking at this. I'm sick of you wasting time and energy doing this. In, in my age group, 25 to 29, he's like, you have to win. There's no other way about it. You just have to win. Um, and so I think that that's, that's something that I've sort of taken on board. And especially in 25 to 29 at Corona, 95% of those girls have won an Ironman because we only get one slot outside of championship races. So, um, and I, and I kind of backed myself from early on after I qualified, I, you know, I said, I think I can, I think I can podium here. I think I can be in the mix. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't, I, I, stopped looking at who was winning the Ironmans and I was like, you know what, we've all won one to be here. So we just have to do the best that we can and, and show up on the day and, and race our race and, and what happens at the end comes out. And I think on race day, my coach said to me, she said, we're, you know, you just need to be patient. We're not, you know, we're not racing until the, the last 10Ks in the marathon. And I think at four, maybe four miles to go, um, after I came out of the energy lab back to the point where the where the spectators were allowed, she said, you've been so patient all day, now we race. And, you know, when you think about it in the scheme of Ironman, we're now into the, the ninth hour or the tenth hour of his Ironman and then, we start, and then you start to race. And that's just, that's what it is. That's how you do it in Kona, I think. That's, you, can't, you can't go all out so early in the day because it is such a long day. Claire, as, as you're talking, I'm looking at the results of, of the 2016 race where you, you finished fifth, and, and I'm just looking at, at sort of the times of, of the, 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 the girls ahead of you. And, and it was really close. Uh, I mean, other than, than Svenja Tos, who, who won, I mean, mm-hmm. she had a fairly large margin. I think it was 20, almost 20 minutes, uh, the margin of victory yeah. there. Between two and, and where you are, and, and, and further back, I mean, it's number six, Alison Wilson, who finished sixth. Uh, there's literally 10 minutes between you all. And, and, and that, in, in the greater scheme of things, in an Ironman is nothing. I know. And I, it's, it was crazy on the day. And, um, and I saw the, the girl in sixth place. Uh, it, it all kind of happened in the energy lab because we were all so close that we all got really good looks at each other um, going in and coming out. And I could see sixth place was running really, really well. And I think she ended up running a 322 or something like that. Um, and I, when I saw my coach again, I said, there's someone coming really fast behind me. And she said, doesn't matter. You're, you know, you're, you're running really well. You can possibly repass someone if, if need be. Um, and it wasn't until, I, you know, you come down Palani and you've got, you can see for, for a, a long period of time, a long distance, and I couldn't see any girls in front of me coming down Palani. It wasn't until um, I, I looked at the results that I realised how close it was because I even said to the girl who was in fourth, I said, oh, did you, did you crack 10 hours? And she said, oh, no, no, it wasn't, you know, it was a few minutes off. And so even when I'd finished, I, I thought that they were six to seven minutes ahead of me in the third and fourth. Yeah, I mean, two, and two, I don't, two minutes away from third. Is, is, is not half shabby. Looking yeah. back at it now, have you got any regrets about race day? I mean, do you, do you wish you had gone slightly harder, slightly earlier? Or, or was, I mean, again, it's yes and buts. You never actually know. Yeah, I, I was really nauseous for the first 15 kilometres on the run. Um, and um, just uh, I, I lost a bottle of nutrition on, on the bike and, and that sort of forced me onto the on-course nutrition a little bit earlier. And so I think that caused that. Um, so I, I don't think I can do anything different about the first 15 Ks. Coming out of the energy lab, I sort of hit a really low point where I just thought I don't want to run any faster than what I'm running now. Um, and maybe if I'd had a little bit of a better portion through there, you could have changed it. But 
I'm not upset. And I think that, you know, especially with the move towards, you know, rolling starts, there's not too many times where you get to race an Ironman to the death in the last in the last four kilometres, particularly, you know, and to do it on the big island is pretty exciting too. So, no, no regrets. You, you mentioned and. I'm going to ask you a little bit about the the race itself, but you mentioned the rolling starts. And coming from a swimming background, you must be pretty disappointed that the rolling starts are, are being implemented uh, across the board because that that is your strength. And and uh, you, even though you, you're probably not used to the the mass starts and the kicking and the punching and the, the people swimming over you, you're comfortable enough in the water that if something does happen, you 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 don't lose your rhythm that much. Is is, is do you think it's it's good for the sport? It's not good for the sport. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, there's not, you, you, there's a lot of people who will never be able to race an Ironman to the death um, because of because of the rolling starts, and it just becomes a bit of a time trial. I think it's uh, sad that it, it's going. It looks like it's going to move that way. I'd love to see the mass starts um, st- stick in there. I love like my first Ironman in Melbourne in 2014 was a mass start, and it was a really wide start, so it wasn't, you know. I didn't think it was too bad, even if you were maybe not the strongest swimmer. And, and I think you lose so much of that atmosphere um, from from taking away that mass start. Um, yeah, and as a swimmer, I, I quite enjoy, um, even as a pool swimmer, I quite enjoy the rough and tumble of a start. And because I can manage it, and I don't, I don't get freaked out. And, and you know, I'll, you know, I'll give as good as I as I get in a mass start. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm not the the best of swimmers, but I, I do think it, it takes something away as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's one thing standing on the beach and uh, everyone's in it together, and, and the gun goes, and, and everyone gets in. I, I definitely miss that uh, without a doubt as well. Claire, oh, with, with regards to the race, I, I mean, you said you've got no regrets, but do you feel there's some unfinished business on the Big Island that you can go faster and and you can go better from a position point of view? Because often in a race like Kona, it's not just about the time; it's about winning. And and you've got to do what it takes to win on the day. And it might be a slower time, conditions come into play. Do you feel that there's unfinished business in Hawaii? Yeah, I do. I feel like, and I've said this to sort of a lot of people, I, I said I feel like I understand that race so much more having done it once. You know, it, you can read all you want about what happens on race day, but until you actually experience it, you know, you don't know. You know, I was going into race week and I was thinking, I don't know how to race this. I don't know what I should be doing when. And, and you know, I took a lot of talking from my coach just to sort of you know, talk me back down off the edge and sort of just like, you just got to be patient all day. You know that what numbers you need to hit. You know what number is too high on that power meter. You know what how fast, the you know, is too fast on the run. That pretty much the only thing I was told well, on – for race day that I could do whatever I like was in the swim, basically. Go out and do do your thing in the swim, but then we have a plan for the rest of the day. Um, and so I feel like I understand that so much more and I'd like to go back and and, and get higher up on the podium. I, I know you taking a, a bit of a step back at the moment and you, you're sort of reassessing, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, when are you going back? Well, I'd like to go back this year. Um, <laughs> I was looking at doing Ironman Port Macquarie, um, which is, I think, in 11 weeks now um, or, or coming up very soon. So, But I, I'm probably not quite there. And more, most of that's coming from just not mentally prepared to, to do the time on the bike at the moment. So I'm just going to race some short stuff for the next six to eight weeks and then and then see um, after that and and 
possibly cans. Um, but you know, if, if I don't go back to Tacona this year, it'll always be be there next year. So there's a few more Ironman in Asia uh, later in the year, which would be an early qualification for, for next year. So um, I'm I'm fairly flexible and sort of letting letting my motivation dictate that at the moment. And, and there's always birthdays coming up, and uh, we know what uh, what birthdays triathletes celebrate, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those ones this year. <laughs> I love it. Claire, as, as far as sort of people starting out in the sport, we've got uh, quite a few sort of novice triathletes who are training for their first Ironman and, and maybe not possibly going for a Kona slot, but uh, just trying to wrap their head around the distance and, and can they do it. What advice would you give to, to an out-and-out newbie who's, who's just getting into the sport and thinking of doing an Ironman? Um, I would, my first thing would be to, would suggest is to race the short stuff first. I, um, you know, I had a quick, fairly quick introduction in, into Ironman. I did it within, uh, 12 months of, of, of starting triathlon. Um, if I'd had my time again, I maybe would have extended that out. I think it's just finding some consistency in your training and, and, and finding a, a program or a timetable that suits you and, and not, committing to yes I can I can do 20 hours a week but then I'm only but then only showing up for 13 you're much better off finding a program with only 13 hours of training and nailing every single one of those sessions and I think that's that's where a lot of people um so I sort of fall down and that they think I have to be doing this big volume um big volume is not for everyone yeah, and it also depends on what your your goals are. To be honest, I mean, you could you could get through an Ironman if you're just going for a finish with with uh, I don't want to say a little bit of volume, but you you don't have to be doing the the crazy twenty thirty hours a week just to to finish an Ironman. No, and I think when I did my my first Ironman, I you know I don't know I had have no record of that training because I just did it myself um, and sort of started it riding 70 k's on a on a saturday and trying to increase that by 10 kilometers a week and that's and that's how i i did it and i i wouldn't can't imagine that i was doing much more than you know eight maybe 12 hours on a big week yeah and like you said you had the greatest day out you absolutely loved it and that's what's keeping you coming back so i think that's that's probably first and foremost is just enjoy it don't Mm -hmm. don't go and chase major goals and uh be bitterly disappointed if you don't hit them first time first time is just uh you know go and experience it see if if this is for you if it's not go and find something else whether it's golf or mountain biking whatever it is but uh if you don't put too much pressure on first time out uh chances are you're gonna have a great day yeah exactly claire as, as far as uh biggest lesson you've learned out of out of doing the sport and being involved in ironman what's uh what have you learned oh biggest lesson um oh Probably just again, just finding and just finding some enjoyment out of it. It's not it's not a sport that you can do if you don't enjoy it. Um, so you know if that's if that means changing it up and and maybe changing your race plan or changing up the training to to to, to keep it fun. That that's probably that's probably the thing that I've learned about it and not not take it so seriously <laughs> a lot of people take this sport really really seriously and so you kind of can get swept up into that um and so you've just got to you've got to step back and enjoy it and make sure that you're not you know we're not playing for sheep stations most of the time so um, unless you're a professional maybe at Krona maybe you are but um you know it, it, this is supposed to be fun and this is supposed to be a hobby outside of, of family and, and and work talk to me about keeping that juggle between family and work and and the sport going that's also something that uh, a lot of age groupers struggle with is the the balance how do you deal with it 
Yeah, um, I was very fortunate last year. Um, I finished a contract in, in, in January and um, my partner was very supportive and so he allowed me to 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 chase the Kona dream and um, so I didn't actually uh, work in that nine months leading up to Kona and I've just jumped back into the workforce now and so I'm just trying to juggle that, um, that going to training and, 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 and going to work and, and doing both things you know, successfully. Um, my partner is, is super, super supportive. He's probably, oh, he's he's so good. He's everywhere on the course all day long. Um, he, he, he does everything for me in the lead up to Ironman. So I'm very, very grateful. So I think getting the buy-in from your from your family and your partner is, is a big part of, of making your triathlon journey a success. Absolutely. Well, Claire, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I'm going to get you on uh, in a week or so's time to chat a little bit about your swim and then the other disciplines as well. But uh, we'll save that for next time. Thanks for your time today on The Cone Edge. Thanks, Brad. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Cone Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Cone Edge.